Welcome back to Fears of a No-Name Blank. My name is Virginia. I'm an actor based in Atlanta, Georgia. In this bi-weekly podcast, I sit down with undiscovered actors, film and television industry folks, and other creatives to chat about their fears in business and life in general. The goal is not to solve the fears or try to motivate away from them, but just bring these fears to light. After all, we're all human. Blaine Beam's name describes exactly who he is, a light. I met Blaine working at the zoo, of all places, and somehow we connected over our artistry. We have been doing Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way together, and Blaine has really been that shining light guiding me through my own artistic endeavors. This was a really fun conversation. Hello and welcome. Today I have um, Blaine Beam with me. He's a good friend of mine who is a songwriter and musical artist. Um, Blaine, I would love if you take a few minutes to introduce yourself. Tell us um, a little bit about yourself, maybe uh, your favorite dessert. My favorite. <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is Blaine Beam. I am 15 years old. Oh, shut up. Uh, <laughs> I was born a prodigy. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, my favorite dessert is probably off the top of my head. Peanut butter cookies. Thank you. Peanut butter. <laughs> Why did I have to answer that for you? I forgot. I was trying. I was running through everything I liked really quick, and I was like, ice cream, peanut butter cookies, <laughs> pecan pie. So it was a lot of peas there, but yeah. I'm into it. I'm into it. But yeah, I am Blaine Beam, like she said, and I am here and with Virginia. Do you go by Virginia? I'm here with Virginia and <laughs> easing into a podcast. It's been a while. I've been in my room creating a lot lately. Mm -hmm. So tell us about what you've been creating. So I have been working on this idea called Lover Boy, um, which is, I'm a songwriter. So it's about approaching life from a perspective of being in love with it instead of being in a lacking mentality. So I always approach things with as a from a relationship standpoint so it's my relationship with my life under the guise of falling in love with this lover boy so i've been working hard on creating this series of songs that present this like ride of like falling in love with life through falling in love with these two people in these songs so it kind of goes back and forth so it's been such a fun interesting thing to think of it in terms of a full project versus one individual song yeah that's really cool um tell us a little bit more about your songwriting do you have a specific genre that you do um what kind of musician are you yeah i definitely am a pop r&b type of person for me personally um when i get really emotional i love to write an you know an alt emo song but for me it's all about writing that song that makes you want to connect to it but sing along and I think that's where, I, and I listen, I grew up listening to pop music. So pop mm -hmm. music has always been my favorite. It was my escape from the world. It was mm -hmm. so sugary and fun. And you could find emotions in there, but, you know, thinking back to being a young gay kid in mm -hmm. the South, it was very much Britney Spears, like, led the role. That puts it, you know, you know, I was a kid in 1999, but, you know, I loved Britney Spears. She opened me up to the idea of what pop music was. And uh -huh. then I took off from there. So is Britney Spears your biggest influence? Do you have other influences that you would like to talk about? <laughs> Britney Spears is not my biggest influence. Um, I love Britney for everything that she ever existed. But I think that the biggest influence on me 
as a writer is probably Mariah Carey, which is really odd for people, I think, to hear. <laughs> you are my Mariah Carey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so David did write that about me. Oh, uh, right. You know, it seems like about Mariah Carey, but it was about me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mariah Carey is such an interesting uh, choice. I know for a lot of people, they're like, Mariah Carey is nothing. But to me, Mariah Carey was everything. She wrote 19 number one hits. Mm-hmm. Or she wrote 18 number one hits, but whatever. That's amazing. That's <laughs> yeah, amazing. So when I hear it, I try to channel, like, when I'm writing, I, I think of writing as, like, a channeling. Um, and so I always, I'm like, how would Mariah hit, you know, obviously I don't have the same range as Mariah, but I'm not, you know. <laughs> you could but try. Like, I could try, yeah. <laughs> that was the whistle you couldn't hear. <laughs> oh, almost yeah. got it. But there are dogs in the yard yeah, you, now, so ooh. we're good, we're good. <laughs> yeah, so I know it's really interesting, but I try to think of like cadences of how Mariah was singing because there was something about the way that she could use her emotion and put it on a pop song that obviously related to people because she's had a career that's lasted for three decades and had, you know, a number one hit in like four decades. So, you know, it's kind of interesting to think about. Um, so tell us more about your creative process. Um, what is um, like songwriting like for you? Um, have you published? I don't know what it is. Published? Yeah, I've never is that published. The right word? Yeah, no, so I'm definitely a no-name something over here, which <laughs> I love. So thank you so much for having me on. But for me personally, it's very spiritual. Um, songwriting is something I've always been involved, like something that's always been me, something I've done since I was eight years old. I remember um, I watched this video that was Jordan. I forget his last name, McKnight, maybe, from New Kids on the Block. He went solo. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and he had this song that he was like, I can't remember what it was, but he was at a fair. It was his lonely solo single, I think. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But I was like eight years old. And I was so inspired by that that I rewrote it at eight. And I put on a show for my whole family, made Aww. them sit in my little a little uh, living room and what made them watch me. And ever since then I just wrote and it always was my escape from the world. Uh-huh. So it was always how I processed emotion. Um, I don't actually play instruments, which is really interesting to people because I hear it in terms of emotion. Mm-hmm. I hear music in terms of emotion and words. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's how I approach it. So I partner with producers and things like that to kind of work with them. So it's really been interesting to find that like all around the world, people read, you know, it's really interesting. But uh, I get really spiritual with it. So I light a candle, uh-huh. I do my sage, I set the intention, you know, and I sit down and I, and I start by journaling. Okay. Because that helps me kind of get in the flow of what my emotion is. And so then once I start journaling, I move into writing stanzas. Okay. And then I start seeing like, oh, I hear... Sometimes songs can come to you like really quickly. So I can write it in 10 minutes maybe. Mm-hmm. And I'll write a full like whole way, you know, verse, hook, bridge, chorus, you know, verse two, bridge, part four. And, you know, I just hear it really quickly and I write it really quick. But other times it takes me a while. So I can take like up to, you know, month or three months to write a song. I'll be working on it for like, wow. Like, you know, I have a song that I've been working on for eight months now that I just cannot figure out. But it's just something about it that sits in my ear right mm-hmm. Um, but that's how I approach writing. It's very spiritual. It's very connected with myself. It's me getting alone, writing on how I feel. Right. And then thinking about ways that I can write it in a sense. Since I'm writing pop music, then I'm writing in a way that makes it connect to you as like 
a person that wants to sing along with it and connect. Yeah. So I take something I've gone through, blow it out of proportion, essentially. (laughs) And then, you know what I mean? Get dramatic with it and then bring it back down uh, to make it more relatable. So I blow it up and I get really pissed off or really in love Mm -hmm. or really whatever. And I build up this whole scenario and I write it as a story. So all of my songs kind of like flow in a sense that's, a story. Mm-hmm. So you start. They don't stand alone. They're always within a structure. Yeah, there's oh, always a structure. Stories. Yeah, but I'm trying to push myself. So, you know, part of the process with quarantine mm-hmm. has been to slow me down. So, whereas before it was like very formulaic to how I processed music, now it's kind of like, oh, well, I see that I don't necessarily have to follow the same structures as I normally would because I can slow down and process a little differently. But Songwriting is always about processing some emotions, in right? Me, you know, it's so weird. Yeah. Uh, how do you find the producers or other uh, musicians that you work with um, for your songwriting? Yeah, online community, honestly. Yeah. yeah. So I have SoundCloud, um, where I post just demos of things that I'm trying. I've only have two songs on streaming services. Mm-hmm. So if you look up Blaine Beam, so I have two songs: one called "Summer Dream" and one "FM Static." That's on streaming platforms but on soundcloud i'll have like 60 different demos of me trying different things trying to get you know sending it out to other people and it's such a cool community because that's a lot of creative energy with people so people on soundcloud really are on soundcloud to put out music um so i've actually connected with people in like denmark canada california here in atlanta of uh, met with people that you know not met with but you know south africa uh-huh. all the different types of someone in japan yeah. all these people just kind of like it becomes you start like you find you know they put out free beats mm-hmm. on the internet or whatever i write over that's how i got started and then once you kind of show them like mm-hmm. oh there is a little bit of a talent here then they're kind of like please write on my track oh please really write cool. on me and yeah. then they kind of give you feedback back and forth and you just kind of go back from there like can you turn this up a little bit yeah. or, and they're like hey your your vocals sound off you need to hit it at this yeah when you're recording so i think of it in terms of production too that's really cool yeah, yeah like having it's like a production diaspora yeah like you're you know you you are collaborating on this songwriting and yet it's like like you said somebody in south africa somebody right. in denmark somebody you know over in california but you are doing a creative collaboration. Right. How cool is that? I think it's really dope. And then and in a different sense too, it cre- you know, for a lot of people who are like me, who don't have a formal training, but feel this compulsion to do this, um, it helps them feel better about having a sense of community outside of their own community. Mm-hmm. So like for me, the hardest thing for that I, the hardest thing for me with artists that I find is that they have a problem starting small. They already want to be at 10,000 listens. Got it. You know, but Mm -hmm. they're embarrassed that they only have four listens on a song. Yeah. That doesn't mean that your song is crap. It doesn't mean that your art is terrible. It's Mm -hmm. just that you don't have the audience there yet. You could be, you know, amazed, you know. I mean, there's a million songs on the radio today that we consider not as good as other songs, but they just have the market there. So to me, I think what's really wonderful is that you create this kind of tribe of people globally that allows you to write and produce and do what you want to do without there being pressure of being an audience yeah it's just like hey i'm really loving this i really want to try it and then you have you know so i've been trying all kinds of different sounds from rock to you know pop to country to all these things Mm -hmm. because that's what growth that you know i process songs right as a process or i do songs as a process but 
that adds to the growth to be able to think of it in terms of different genres too. That's amazing. Now you touched on this just now. You don't have formal song writing musical mm -hmm. training. Yeah. Um, I had so, voice lessons as a kid. Okay. And I sang in church as a kid and led. And like, and when I was like 15, 16 was in like a little band, mm -hmm. you know, like a little vocal band. Um, and we would sing what we all thought we were like Christina Aguilera, Jessica Simpson, you know, Leanne Rimes. You were the pussycat we dolls. were the pussycat dolls. Yes. <laughs> um, up in churches, me. <laughs> my leg. Perhaps that was the wrong. <laughs> it was uh... the wrong audience. One time I, I, when I was a kid, I could really belt cause I, or I thought I could. Um, and it was really just a lot of screaming. <laughs> so I'm sitting there one time, I'll never forget. I was singing. Um, it was, I had a solo of my group and it was this song. I had put so much emotion and heart into it. And at the end, it was like a 300 room audience. Um, at the time it was like, you know, a huge deal yeah, for course. me. Right. I was 15 singing this song, but Christina Aguilera at church. Yeah. And <laughs> at the end, stunned silence <laughs> just cricket 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 and my mom's best friend came up to me afterwards i was like wow i did such an amazing job like everybody was so shocked she said no we didn't know how to react to the fact that you're screaming at us <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> it was hilarious it was horrible and hilarious yeah so I, I had you know a little vocal training um i studied with an italian opera singer Ooh. um which was a lot of fun I but bet. hard work yeah. Um, but then uh, that was kind of really it. And then just writing. Mm -hmm. um, I think that you you can't really teach writing. You just have to practice it mm -hmm. more and more and more. Like you can get a formal training. I have, you know, I have an English degree, but, right. you know, studied a lot and read a lot. But to me, it's, you know, it's like the practice, practice of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. So many things. How did you get, like, interested in songwriting? Um, like, did you, did you sit yourself down and say like, yeah, you know what? I am going to use this thing that I love and try to have it be my life or, you know, like what's that yeah. situation for you? Absolutely. Um, I hit a low point <laughs> in my life. I'd always done it. So songwriting was some, something I've always done um, without, you know, just in my own mm -hmm. something that I've done, but it was a very, I hit a dark point in my life where I just couldn't see the purpose of living. Mm. And I just was like, what is there even a point in being here? I had gone through a major change. I felt like I had lost everything in my life. I was a rough patch with family. It was a rough patch with friends, mm -hmm. a rough patch with my nine to five job. So I just hit this I just hit this plateau in my mind or this low point. I just hit this low point in my mind that was, there was no point in living. Mm -hmm. And then the universe just sent me a message that was like, think back to when you were eight years old, eight plays a big number in my life, but it was, you know, think back to when you were eight years old and what was something that you did then that you still do that you love, that you did only for yourself. And besides have anxiety, no, just kidding. <laughs> songwriting, I had done it since I was a young kid. Just always, I grew up in a very, I was very privileged as a kid. I grew up on a lot of acreage of land. So I could just go get lost in the woods. And the trees were my audience and they were great because they just soaked up the sound. And I grew up singing in church and grew up singing with, you know, that gospel kind of sound. And there's a, there's a, a wailing to that. So I always thought that singing was going to be the avenue I went. But songwriting became more interesting to me than 
singing because I, I think that I write for a female perspective a okay. lot of times. Um, in my head, I hear it because I listen to a lot of female pop artists right. as a gay man. And so then I hear that in my head is like, oh, this is a female artist for a female artist. So a lot of times, so it's been interesting. So in that moment, I, when I was in that low period, to circle back to your question, I looked at that and I started doing that and examining it. And then I decided that songwriting was that thing that I always wanted, that I always wanted to do, um, that I never gave myself the, this space for. Mm-hmm. It was always unattainable. But then I, I decided to change the way I looked at success. And mm-hmm. so success for me was then just trying it. So I wrote my first little thing for myself. I came up with this whole idea of this musical called The Lonely Lover. And it was just this exploration of how lonely I felt at the time because I had lost everything, you know? And so I wrote the very first thing and it was like me just berating all the men that I had ever dated. You know, I never met a man before who could just walk in and tell me like all these things. And that's where it started. And it was like on Thanksgiving day of 2018 Mm -hmm. that I wrote this very first thing. And then, so I just started writing slowly, little bit, little bit, little bit, went through a really rough period. Then um, by my birthday in July, so that's what, six or seven or eight months, I wrote my very first full song. And once I could hear it, all of it, Mm -hmm. in my words, I mean, of course it was like, the very first song, you know, the very first thing you ever do anything, it's like not the greatest, but to me, it was amazing. And it was such a success. It was such a success. It. Yeah. And, and I wrote this line, I had gone through this period, where, you know, this thing where I decided I was just changing my life. I draw, I just wanted to change my life. I just change it. Mm-hmm. And it was this 180. And so I wrote this line for this, that just wrote this line on a trip that was like, I drove all this way. Can I cuss? Yes. Okay. I drove all this way just to wake up to say, fuck it and forget it. And that's how I felt about life. And it was my 30th birthday. Nice. I wrote this on my 30th birthday. And it was just, I wrote this like, to me, this scathing critique of myself in my 20s mm-hmm. to let it all go. And after that, I just started. So I just started writing, 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 kept going. I wrote one song. I wrote four. I wrote 10. Next thing you know, I have now, you know, written 200 plus songs and I've recorded, uh, you know, so many and working with people. So it's just really cool. And it was just starting. Yeah. Like I said, I love that you said that you changed your idea of success because I think that is a lot of people's biggest hurdle is saying, well, I'm not even going to start because I'm not going to be any good at it. Right. But how do you ever know what's going to happen if you don't do it? So I love that you like, even at, at this really low point in your life, you were able to sit there, look at yourself and say, I'm changing my own definition of success and I'm going to make myself a success just by starting. Just by starting. And that was really it. Uh, that was me, the success was yeah. just write the first word. I love that. Just write the first word. And and then I just kept going and yeah. kept going and kept going. And, and it's taken me on like the coolest little journey. And I think that's what I would tell anybody is literally like, that's the first step to anything is redefine your relationship with success. I love that. Because if you don't, you're never going to get there. It's what I call like looking, only seeing the gap mentality, mm-hmm. you know, where you're only seeing how far you have to go. You don't see where you are mm-hmm. and where you are is just as beautiful as where you're headed. Mm-hmm. You just got to stop and see it. And so that was, I wanted to interact with how I felt now. 
versus like trying to write that song that was going to propel me to like stardom. Some sort of stardom. Yeah, yeah. Stardom, sort of start stardom. But when you were a kid growing up, like I did with, I felt really excluded from a bigger narrative. You know, I looked the part. Mm-hmm. When you look me up, you know, listener, you should blame dot B. <laughs> Find me on Instagram. It's going. We'll link it in the show notes. <laughs> You'll see and you're going to look at me and you're going to say, wow, look at this white privileged dude. But in the world that I grew up in, I was so different than everybody else because I was gay and they didn't understand that. And I grew up in a really conservative way. So it was really hard navigating that as a kid when everybody kept telling you didn't shouldn't exist. And then you start believing it. Then you start looking for it. So then to go 30 years of your whole life, essentially, and to say, fuck that. That's not who I am. I am deserve to be here. I'm redefining my idea of success. My idea of success is just to breathe. Mm-hmm. When the whole world has told me my whole life I shouldn't exist, just breathing is a win. Hell yeah. And so there we are. I love that. Here we oh are today. <laughs> I love it so, so much. So I, I love, like I said, this de- your definition of, or changing your definition of success and just moving along. And so as you're like moving through this idea and, and this process of being an artist um, and being a songwriter, what fear has come up within you? Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot, but let's talk about like the big, the big roadblock fears. First of all, vulnerability in all of itself is the hugest fear to me, because these songs are so personal to me. I don't know that anybody would listen to them and think, "Wow, this is somebody pouring out their heart." Because again, it's written for this pop mentality, right? It's approachability. But for me, when I hear it, all I hear is the intricacy of the emotion that I put into it. So I'm like, all these, you know, all these people, the three, (laughs) (laughs) all three of these people are hearing me be very vulnerable right now. They're hearing me put myself out there. They're hearing me say, I am good enough to try. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself is scary because the voice in your head wants to tell you you're not good enough. You're not these things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa, back up. Thought Blaine. Brain, <laughs> brain, brain Blaine. No, you know. Everybody started somewhere. And I think, again, I recently read it was this idea of starting small, that people are afraid to start small or they're mm-hmm. embarrassed to start small. And I think you that's, again, that redefine that idea of success, that it's not starting small. It's starting. It's starting. It's starting. Yeah. And the success of starting is... More than anything, but sorry, yes, not fear. No, that's okay. No, I was actually going to say along the same line, um, a lot of like, you know, as an actor, you always hear about somebody's quote unquote breakout role or, you know, they, they just suddenly hit the scene. Um, and so you have this idea that like, oh, well, you know, they were walking through the mall and somebody was like, well, look at you. You look like you could be in the Avengers. And that's what happened. But that when you actually look at it, that's never what happened. I mean, maybe a handful of times ever in the history, but it's these people started and then worked their asses off for years and years and years. And then suddenly after literally working for years and years and years, they just took one more step. It wasn't one giant step and they were like super successful. It was a million tiny steps. And that's what got them to where they are. And I think there's this idea that you either start out huge or you're not huge exactly. or you're never going to be huge. And it, it's such an interesting thing to me 
um, because it affects everyone, and obviously, especially artists, so much. It becomes so internalized. Like, you know, I, I released my first song and I didn't have 1,700 hits in the first right. 10 minutes. What Why? the fuck? Everybody should be putting this on their playlist. Exactly. And like, or like, well, that means I'm a failure. But that it's just, it cannot be that way. It is literally not possible. That is not how the world works. It's not. Yeah. There are, you know, those certain people like Oprah is something that comes to mind where it's like she, when she, she worked hard. Mm -hmm. And then when she hit it out the ballpark, she blew up. Right. And then everybody wanted that same kind of success or like randomly for pop music uh, fans out there. Little Nas X had this song called old town road you may remember it from never being able to turn on the radio and not hear it that song he wrote just the way that i'm doing Mm -hmm. and he put it on soundcloud and then it became a tiktok trend and whatever and it was like all of a sudden he came out of nowhere but he had been working his ass off for four years yeah and nobody saw that or like jennifer lawrence is a actress who did the same thing or like all these people and i think that it's also too like we want that immediate instant gratification instant gratification yeah that immediate hit that immediate whatever but i think that like that's just not the case but that's the fear is that i'm not good enough because Mm -hmm. it's not immediately these things of course there are some people out there who hit it out of the park in the first game but yeah so few and far between and you can't judge yourself on other people as well which is another thing that exactly so many people have the issue i mean first and foremost issue right here so let's go back to your vulnerability um when you're um obviously you're like pouring your guts out when you're writing your song and i'm curious if like you're mostly afraid that people will interpret it wrong or that people will judge you because of what they've interpreted or some combination or something completely different I think for me, it's more about I am so guarded with my actual feelings Mm -hmm. that knowing that people can hear how I actually feel Mm -hmm. is what makes me scared. Mm -hmm. It's not that I'm afraid they're going to judge me or think that I can't do this or things like that because I've already done it. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you think at that point. It doesn't have to be a hit. It's already out there. My part is already done. No longer belongs to me. It's a song. And now you get to interpret it how you want to. However, the part that fears that makes me the most fearful is this overexposure in my emotions because I have so guarded. Yeah. So it's like this double-edged sword. I need to get out this emotion. I feel this compulsion to make these songs. Then I want to share them, but then I'm terrified that people are actually going to hear it. Yep. You know, it's like I'm torn between this idea of really wanting to be seen and wanting not to be seen at all. And, and like hiding. And hiding. All yeah. The rocks. Right. Yeah. Behind all of these rocks and all of these whatever. But when you hear this, you know, like I have a song on SoundCloud called Locked In It that is this slow song that I had, the, you know, two months into quarantine hit my wall, I thought. I thought, <laughs> oh my God, I can't keep going forward. And I just had a late night and I had a couple of friends who had passed away and just, you know, the world was in a really weird state of flux. And then, mm-hmm. you know, just like the movement of everything started and all of this kind of hit at one time. And so I wrote this song called Locked In It. And I think if anybody were to hear that, you would hear how vulnerable I felt because I just sat there with, when I, you know, the music courses I'm singing, you know, with a track or whatever, but I'm literally like mouth against the microphone, like crying, you know what I mean? Like, 
how do I get out of this feeling? I'm just locked in it. Mm -hmm. I'm locked in my house. I'm locked in this space in the world. I'm locked in whatever. And it was just this really intimate thing. And every time I hear it, I cry. And then I, the fear comes in. It's one of my most listened to songs on SoundCloud too. And it makes me really nervous to think that like all these people have heard me actually be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And that is really, this. that's really mm -hmm. what makes me scared. That's really scary for you. Yeah. It's so fascinating. But it's also so interesting that this, really cracked open vulnerable piece is what people oh, yeah. are listening to yeah. and it makes you think that's what people want connect with mm -hmm. is that vulnerability yeah um and that in and of itself is really scary isn't it because you know we all walk around in our little shells you know and pretend like you know we we all have our facade right, right? and then once that facade is broken down that's what people connect with. But like in real, quote unquote, real life, how often do we get to express that? Because we're told not to be exactly. vulnerable. We're told always be on guard. Exactly. And the world really teaches you that. But then in your private moment, because music has become so private for us. A lot of the times we have headphones, it's oh, our car, sure. it's at our house, you know, in safe spaces, we're listening to music. So we listen to music that moves us, right? In yeah. a certain way. And so it becomes really vulnerable because you are connecting with the song. So I think on one hand, I love that. That's my personal mission is to connect with people. But it also makes me really terrified because you're seeing how I really am. Yeah. That I'm not as pulled together as I would love to present. Or I'm not always so happy as I would love to, you know, beam, you think, like, boom, yep. bright light. But it's more to do with the fact that your life shines in you and how you... Blaine Beam, I love it. You know, me as a person, it's like I am here alive and I'm experiencing this as I experience it. And now I'm trying to connect with you in two minutes and 30 seconds. Yep. Right. And I'm now trying to connect with you in four minutes. And I'm not trying to be like the Eagles or, you know, <laughs> Rolling Stones or, you know, even anything like that. It's not about that. It's about me saying what I mean yep. and how I felt in a way that you can connect with. But it's almost like all of my vulnerable songs become almost the most listenable, the most listened to on SoundCloud. Yeah. It's really interesting. That's amazing. That is so cool. Um, now your fear surrounding vulnerability, do, do you find that this encourages you as you move through your artistic life or do you find yourself having to battle it? And it's, it's something that can become quite discouraging. I have to battle it. Yeah. I have to battle it. So the stubborn part of me is motivated because I'm like, I want to, or the perfectionist as well. This like, I want to better experience or better explain my emotions in a more full way. But my vulnerability in that discourages me because I don't want to have, say, you know, my mom hear a song that I wrote about her. Yeah and her hear how I really feel. Because right now, my mom is going to be, you know, the only audience in a way. Right. You know, because she loves me as her son. So okay, all of our moms are our only audiences. Our first, <laughs> our first and last audiences are thank, our moms. <laughs> thank you, mom. Thank you. But yeah, so it does discourage me because it makes me feel like, one, I'm trying to be really vulnerable. There's nobody here listening. I'm too scared of this anyway. Why am I even trying? It's not even on the level. What are you doing? Just back out of it. Stop. It's kind of like the first step in the trip down the stairs. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. 
But then that stubbornness inside of me is like, fuck all that noise. Okay. You want to do it uh-huh. because you want to do it. Uh-huh. And the cool, so be, so vulnerable. be vulnerable. Yeah. So the cool thing is, is most of the time I'm by myself when I'm doing it, uh-huh. you know, or when I'm writing, it's a very solo experience. I would love to be more collaborative in my writing moments, uh-huh. but I get alone because it's so scary. You know, I'm crying a lot of times and sometimes you won't even know like the, the, what's so interesting is I could write a stanza and it could, and it could be, you know, what, seven syllables, four times, you know, to kind of get a flow, right? You're just like, da, 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 you know, to have this flow. And then I could be, so it's basically 27 words that could be ex- about an experience that I had for seven years. Uh-huh. Or it could be about 18 different experiences based off of the words I use. Or it could be, you know, based off of one little moment that you said the wrong thing to me today. Mm-hmm. And it's just so interesting how all of that plays out. Like I, I get distracted in that moment, but that's how, you know, I just, you get in there and anyway, I lost my train of thought, but it's all good. <laughs> um, I, you know, trains can go into whatever stations they need. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm curious, um, because I, I know that you have like a proper nine to five. Um, and that that's kind of the quote unquote bulk of your life. Right. Now, do people in that part of your life know that you are as artistic as you are, that you pursuing, um, a life of a songwriter as an artiste, artiste, um, or do you kind of like keep that to yourself? and you separate those two parts of yourself. I no longer keep it to myself. No I longer. have no shame okay. in saying I want to be more of this, right? Uh-huh. I want to do more of this, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can be more except learn more, right? I have no shame anymore. I'm, I, I feel at this stage in life that if you want it, you got it. Mm-hmm. And so you have to show up as this every day. You have to be prepared to answer the question every day. You got to be prepared to feel the good and the bad. So for me, it's it's not a choice because it's who I am. Mm-hmm. It is me. So I can't go up in a place and be authentic and real, which is very important to me, if I'm not saying I do these things gotcha. as well. Mm-hmm. I, you know, but it opens me up to the right people. Mm-hmm. to the right situations, to the right circumstances that keeps inviting the right people into my life, keeps the right people hanging around mm-hmm. to be myself and mm-hmm. to say, this is who I am. This isn't what I'm trying to be. Mm-hmm. I am this. There is no try. There's I, only there is only There is only, yeah. <laughs> and so I go out, you know, like after we get done with this podcast, I'm probably going to go home and write. Yeah. You know, because any kind of moment that I get by myself, I'm trying to think of new ways to process my emotions and the cool thing is, is that you cannot tell me I'm processing my emotion wrong. Yeah. You can tell me structurally that this can change, but you can't tell me that what my string of words are not mine. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me that. And I think that's what's beautiful about art in general. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me how I approach this is wrong. Mm-hmm. You can tell me there are structures in place. You can tell me there's a way that things are done, but you can't tell me that I'm do- my creativity is wrong. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's cool. Yeah. So you said um, now you don't keep yeah. that part of you separate, but you, you did mm-hmm. previously. So, you know, in your professional life, quote unquote professional life, you kind of kept 
all You're... of that creativity stifled in. Yeah. yeah, only to myself. And it only would happen at night when I was alone. Uh -huh. And it was so limited to like a shoebox, you wow. know, where I was mm -hmm. like, I'm stuffing this here and I can only open it up when I'm here, these mm -hmm. things. And, and it really was utilized when I felt out of control. Got it that I would utilize my creativity because it helped centered me because it's who I was. Right. I was listening to myself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And to be brave enough to walk in the room and say, you know what? This is not what I want anymore. I did. I, ch I don't want to go into it, but personal, that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but personally, you know, I walked in the room and I, I totally looked at my life and I said, none of this is what I actually want. I am being fake. This is not me. Mm -hmm. Who I am is an artist, baby. I see the world through an artist's eyes. I see it in these songs. You know, in my head, I hear Christina Aguilera singing. Uh -huh. You know, I'm just, I, I write songs I mostly it. for Mariah, Christina, and Ariana Grande. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's my, Mariah, Christina, Ariana. Yeah, Mariah, Christina, Ariana. If you hear this. If you hear this, I'm I want to write a song to you. That is my dream. <laughs> but I, yeah, I... I did. I held on to it for so long and it was so far away from me. I didn't think I, I always want, thought I needed somebody. I always thought I needed somebody to walk me through the gate. I didn't like know. Like give you permission. Yeah. Like give me permission. Oh, wow. Okay. And you know, I didn't think that I could do that. I was so quick to attach my star to other people's star. I had mm -hmm. a history of dating comedians uh, or, or artists or actors in different ways so that I, because I'm such a we person, I can be all about you and help you out and think in terms of you and help you better your craft because then when you get where you're going, then I'll have the ability to do the same because you'll remember me and yeah. you know one of us gets there, the other one gets there. So, but you get to do it first. You're always before me. Mm -hmm. But then when I realized I hated my life and I hated who I was becoming and where I was headed and I was like, no, this is not it. I am a, I want to do these things. Yeah. This is who I am. It's like you finally embraced your full self and, and you can step your full self into whatever faucet of your life right. you are in. And I walk myself through the door. Yeah. And I say, I sneak, I find it kind of punk of me. <laughs> I love it. You know, it's very punk to be like, I've done this in my own way. I've written my own, I have no formal training. It is my sense of the word, but my favorite thing always when it comes to my artist life is when I show somebody who's never interacted with my music or anything, they have no idea what I sound like, no idea my influences. You know, you think like, how can this gay boy write a Mariah Carey song? And you, you know, it's like, who else is going to write a Mariah Carey song? First of all, if it's not Mariah Carey, who is question? You know, but then to hear me and like my sweet singing kind of summary song voice, this, you know, Seeing in a song that you're like, oh, I actually can hear that Mariah Carey influence there. That's so curious. And every time, whenever I show people, they're like, wow, like that's actually good. Yay. It's like, yeah, don't doubt me, girl. <laughs> I don't, you know, don't doubt me. I'm who I am. It. This is who I'm. This is who I am, and it it moves me so much. That's awesome. So it sounds to me like even though you still struggle with this vulnerability, you've really embraced it um, over the, the last, you know, however long of you kind of finding your artist self um, and that um, you embracing it has been able to kind of propel you forward again, even though that it's still kind of, you turn around every once in a while and freak out and, right. and stare the vulnerability in the face and don't know what to do, but it, 
just, it seems that like, you're so, I don't want to say comfortable with it because that wouldn't, would be downplaying everything that you've gone through, but you're just so capable of embracing it. Um, which I think is so cool. Thanks. Um, that is true. I mean, I have worked really hard to be, um, I have my list of books that I read. Um, one of them is Brene Brown's Braving the Wilderness. And in this book, she talks about how we need to be more vulnerable and live more vulnerably. Uh, and that book changed my life in the sense that I took it on and Mm -hmm. I really took that meaning on. I read that and I read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert and I read Love Warrior by Glennon Doyle Melton, but she has a better book now called Untamed, Glennon Doyle. But anyway, those are my Bibles. (laughs) And it it really opened me up to like, oh, actually there's power in myself Mm -hmm. to be vulnerable and to be honest and be real and not always act like all these things. But I do pride myself on my vulnerability. You know, I, I work very hard to try to connect with people more vulnerably, but it does make you want to panic sometimes and run away. A lot of times, like right now, I'm kind of in my own personal writing block mm-hmm. um, where I'm not having, I'm not writing what I want or I'm not in that mm-hmm. growth level yet. And I'm trying to inspire myself in new ways and try new things and, you know, other things that worked six months ago to inspire me or not necessarily inspire me now. And it's just change. And then quarantine is in, been weird and the COVID so pandemic weird. it's so weird and serious it's also serious yep that it's really kind of hindered how I'm approach you know how I approach writing or singing or my creativity and sense uh, but I'm always thinking of new things to try and create book ideas play you know all kinds of things but mm-hmm. to me it all comes out in song form I love it so it's always you know yeah that song that's amazing um Blaine, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me today. Tell us again the names of your songs, where to find them, and if you would like um, anybody to find you on any social medias, let us know what those are. And of course, I will link all of that information in our show notes, um, along with these books that Blaine uh, recommends. So music and your... So you can find me on any streaming platform. Uh, iTunes, Apple, whatever, Spotify, whatever you use, just look for Blaine Beam. That's B-E-A-M, B-L-A-I-N-E. <laughs> uh, also, that's my Instagram name, Blaine.Beam. I'm a very motivational person too. So my Instagram is all about trying to inspire people or be silly. But I also post music I listen to all the time. And then these songs, you know, these... So you can find me on Instagram at Blaine Beam. That's Blaine.Beam. And then um, you can just search Blame Beam to find my music. The songs out on streaming are Summer Dream, which is a cute song about being hopeful. And then FM Static, which is a song I wrote when I was bored at the beginning of quarantine, <laughs> fantasizing about drinking on a balcony with a person. With someone <laughs> with else. somebody else besides myself. <laughs> and so that song is just this hallucination of this radio fantasy that I created with this guy from uh, France. So it was really cool. I love that. That's amazing. Like I said, we're going to link that all in the show notes. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. I love you all. Being an artist is so much more than just creating pretty things to look at, read, or listen to. Artistry and creativity involves vulnerability and authenticity. And sharing that part of yourself can be so scary. Even when that part of ourselves just wants to jump out and escape out of us, the fear of being overexposed and vulnerable can get in the way of our desires to create. 
I, for one, am grateful Blaine has overcome his fear enough to put his music out into the world. What definitions do you use in your life to define success? One of the great things I got out of this conversation with Blaine was his redefining success in his own life. So I'm curious if that's something you do in your own life. Shoot me a message on Instagram or Twitter at the underscore Scarlet P. Blaine's music and social media will be linked in the show notes. Go give his songs a listen. Trust me, you'll be happy you did. Thanks for listening in on Fears of a No Name Blank. Thank you.